morning, good evening, good afternoon, and welcome to this episode of the Life with a Why interview series podcast. This is the interview series where we find out why people do what they do. And today we are interviewing Holly Allen, a young, successful salesperson based out in London. Holly is one of those people that you know just by meeting them, they have a very bright future ahead. Today, Holly and I talk about her life, her family. We talk about why she does what she does. Holly has gone through some challenges that not many 24-year-olds will have gone through. And today we talk about how that has shaped her as a person and how it has shaped her personality. Holly will start off this episode by talking about being bubbly and spontaneous. And the deeper we get into it, the deeper we understand why that is. In the next section of this episode, I will tell you a little bit more about what I knew of Holly before we actually started this conversation. Um, But today we get to learn about why somebody young and successful does what they do. Let's get cracking into the episode. My impression of Holly Allen before we ended up speaking in this in today's episode, I found her to be a very impressive person. Um, she and I started our sales careers in and around the same time. We both post a lot on LinkedIn, so I would have seen her post, she would have seen mine. Um, one of those professional relationships that you end up um, you end up ac- accumulating. Holly is one of those people that you can find quite impressive. But there was always an element of her or an element of what she was putting up that I didn't understand where it was coming from. There was a genuine authenticity to it. So one of the things I wanted to learn from today was where that came from. Now, a piece of context that you're going to need to know for today's episode is Holly is greatly influenced by her sister, Sophie. Um, Sophie is a very successful recruiter. In, based in London um, for a company called, called Venetrix. And they sound and speak very, very similarly. Um, therefore, when you, when you talk to one, you feel like you, you get to know um, the other. That is going to be a very key piece of context today that her sister is quite successful and is a couple of years older than her. Therefore, she has been a, uh, well, had an impact on her life. Um, we talk more about that later on. I did not know a huge amount about Holly before we walked into today's episode. However, I knew that she was ambitious, that that there was something different about her. But I also felt like there was an element of her life that we hadn't really touched on. Um, Today, we very much touch on one of the most formative pieces. And I I believe this is one of the only times that that she has talked about it on, on a podcast like this. I'd love to know what you think of a couple of different things that she says today, particularly about her orientation towards money, um, her orientation towards confidence, her orientation towards spontaneity, and um, how even at the age of of 24, she's had to rebuild herself in a particular way without giving too much away. So with that being said, let's crack into the conversation, and I'd love to hear what you think. So... Holly Allen, thank you for, for joining the podcast. How are you today? I'm very good, thank you. I had a lovely bank holiday weekend, so I'm feeling very well rested. Also very happy that it's Wednesday already tomorrow. So yeah, I'm, I'm good. How are you? All good. All good. Thank you. Very excited for, for this 
podcast episode in particular. I, I, I very much wanted it to be something different. Um, so yeah, I, the audience will have a sense as to who you are at this stage of the, of the conversation, but they'll have had my interpretation as to who you are. So without listing the CV or anything like that, who are you? Who, who are you to you? That's a, a very good question, a nice way to start. Um, so I am Holly Allen. Um, I work in sales and I'm a very bubbly, spontaneous person. Um, I like to think that I really try and live every single day to the most that I possibly can. Um, I think life is really short. I've been through some experiences that have really kind of made me realize that, you know, that you have to make the most of every day because you never know when something could go wrong. You never know when there could be a global pandemic, for example. Um, so yeah, spontaneous, fun. Don't take life, life too seriously. And I do like the nice things in life, I'll be honest. <laughs> I like that a lot. You've definitely foreshadowed a, an aspect of our conversation that we're going to have there. Um, but I won't go into that too too quickly yet. I'd love to. I'd love for the audience to get an understanding as to as to you know who you actually are, um, um, because I think we get a lot of people you know giving this very polished example of themselves. So I'm going to ask, what's the most amazing adventure that you've ever been on? What's well, something? Yeah, that whatever just came into your head there. What's that? So when I was at uni, I was a crazy party girl. So I would go out six nights, seven nights a week. Um, and it was awful for my bank account. It was awful for my liver. And that's actually how I got into sales in the first place. Cause I was like, okay, I need to find a way that I can still go out and have fun, um, and make money essentially. So I became a shot girl at uni. So I was one of those girls that would walk around in a club with a light up tray and sell as many shots as possible, um, taking advantage of all the drunk people. Um, and I absolutely loved it. It was the commission based role. So I would arrive at my shifts like an hour early. I would stay till 6 a.m. just trying to make as much money as possible. Um, and I was pretty good at it. I got really into it. I enjoyed it and I made quite good money from it. And it was my, I think it was my second year of uni. Um, it was the summertime and I'd worked throughout the whole of summer, you know, the whole of uni, I had a, a good amount of money in my bank account. And I was like, I just want to do something a bit crazy and impulsive and spontaneous. You know, what can I do? Um, and I was on a train uh, back to my house. My parents were on holiday. So I'd been away for the weekend to see friends. I was on a train and I just went on Skyscanner and the first place that popped up was Thailand. And I was like, oh, maybe I could go to Thailand. Like I've, I've always wanted to go. Um, and so on this train, I booked a flight to Thailand. Um, I booked a one way ticket. I wasn't on sure how long I wanted to go for completely on my own. So right. this was on the Saturday night. I was going back home to do a shift at work. Um, in one of the bars and then I'd get home at you know 6am on Sunday morning and then I was on the flight on the Monday on my own like what am I doing I have no plans I haven't booked anything and it was the best month of my whole entire life Brian I loved it just uh, so tell me more about Thailand 
Oh, Thailand was incredible. So I'm work. Holly loves a plan. Um, so every single day for me is scheduled like hour by hour and I have to stick to that routine. Um, outside of work, Holly, crazy Holly is crazy. She's spontaneous. Um, I didn't book anything. I literally arrived with my suitcase. Um, I booked somewhere on hostel world as I got there in the airport at like 3am Thailand time. Um, and yeah, went and stayed, as I say, didn't have an agenda, just did what I wanted to. Um, I did my diving course. So I'm now, um, I've got my paddy, which is amazing. So I would literally go diving every day and then I'd go to the beach. Um, and then I'd go out and party all night, which was just so much fun. So it almost sounds like a release. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was really nice to go and just do exactly what I wanted to do and be whoever I wanted to be. You know, you're you're on your own. You've never met the people that you're with before. I was in a hostel, so it was a super, super sociable place and I could just be me. Um, and I wasn't with anyone that I had to impress or, you know, I wasn't with a friend who wanted to do this activity, but I didn't want to do it. I could just wake up and say, okay, today I'm going to go scuba diving for, for three hours, or I'm going to go and visit this island. Um, I'm going to walk barefoot all day. I could do whatever I wanted to do, which was so nice. What age were you at this time? I was 19. Wow. Okay. So that, and it, it's funny that, that you mentioned that. So uh, I could be me. I could be whoever I wanted to be, uh, particularly at, at, at 19. Is that the same version, that 19-year-old crazy Holly? Well, I like how you, how you differentiate between crazy Holly and work Holly. I get the feeling there's, somewhere else, there's, there's, there's someone else in there as well. Um, but is that version of Holly the same version that we have today? Yeah, I think crazy Holly has probably died down a little bit now, um, which is probably a good thing. I think I needed to mature a little bit. That trip certainly helped me to do that. Um, I guess now, you know, I've just done a, a day of calls. I've just done some sales coaching. So I guess right now you could say I'm kind of half in work mode, half in the real Holly mode, if you like. Um, that story is certainly getting me out of that mode and it's making me feel a bit more relaxed. Um, so yeah, you've kind of got 50-50. Good to know. And like, when did this version of you then solidify? The, and how did that solidify? The, the version of you that you are today? Do you mean the work Holly or just me in general? Well, it's interesting that you, that you differentiate. Um, mm. Are they markedly different people? No, they're not. And it is funny that I differentiate because as you know, Ryan, I'm very into like social selling. I do a lot of videos on LinkedIn. And as soon as I can feel myself um, talking in like a slightly scripted voice or, um, I don't know, I'm talking about things that I don't actually care about, I will not record that video because I think the reason why I think my content is fairly engaging is because I am just being me um, when that camera is recording. I'm not trying to be, you know, super duper professional, trying to be anyone else. Um, so I guess you could say I've kind of merged crazy Holly and work Holly together to get to who I am right now, who is on this call. Good to know. Um, 
good to know. And then who who's who's that? I love this differentiation. I love this Jekyll and Hyde side of things. We talked about spontaneity and bubbly, and you mentioned the word sales. Um, one of the values that you mentioned at the very beginning of this, though, that uh, you know, there's there's two that I want to get into today. One is that life is short, and the other one is that one of the few salespeople I know who have absolutely no shame in any way, shape, or form of saying the words, I like money. Um, we'll come back to that later on, actually. But I'd like to start off with the life is short one. Um, you're 23, 24. We, you're quite, like, you, we're quite young. We're at the very beginning of our, of our careers and lives and works and things like that. This life is short mentality um, doesn't really come naturally to those of us that are invincible in our 20s. Um, mm-hmm. So where does that come from? Yeah, so when I was 16, I was diagnosed with leukemia, which is mm-hmm. a type of blood cancer. Um, no, I was 15, 15, not 16. Um, and that was obviously a very life-changing experience for me. Um, at school, I was always... Um, you know, I had loads of friends. I was a performer when I was younger. So I used to dance like six days a week. Um, I was really into my dancing and that was always the kind of the dream. I wanted to be on the West End. I wanted to be in shows. Um, that was kind of where I was headed. And then, (laughs) yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and then we get to 15 years old and, you know, I was told that I had leukemia and I was Mm. like, I remember my dad telling me what it was. he said, you know, it's not good news. You have leukemia. And I was like, what, what is that? Is that a type of cancer? And my first question was, am I going to lose my hair? Because at 15 years old, and to be honest, even now, um, that was the biggest thing for me. You know, they could give me all the horrible chemotherapy in the world that would make me feel horrendous. But the biggest thing was my appearance completely changed. Um, so I lost all of my confidence. I of course couldn't dance anymore because um you know my bones became very weak couldn't really walk spent a lot of time you know in a wheelchair um yeah just wasn't wasn't a kind of a great a great time in my life um but I always knew that I was going to get through it you know without sounding too kind of cheesy I think when you're in that very low place you're like I can either you know, just give up or I can really fight this and I can get through the other end um, and there will be a a silver lining. And that's exactly what I did. Um, And so I think now that, you know, I'm I'm happy, I'm in a really good job. I managed to complete my education and do really well. um, And I've got my confidence back. I've I've got more friends now. Um, I still look back at that girl and I think, wow, like we've, we've come a long way. We're doing okay. Um, and you know, if something goes wrong, if I don't know, if I miss a delivery from the postman or if I have a terrible sales call or I don't hit my target one week, I always remind myself of that girl who was in hospital feeling horrible, not wanting to even leave my hospital room because I thought everyone was going to look at me because I had no hair. And I think, okay, you've been in worse places. Um, like you can take whatever is thrown at you today or this week. Right. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. No, 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 no. Thank you for sharing. There's a lot there. Um, 
one of the questions that I'd have then off the back of that is you obviously rebuilt your confidence. And that's one of the things that, that I hope will come across, whether you're watching this or listening to this, you're, you seem quite self-assured. Um, and I, I genuinely believe that that's, that's a, that's an inherent actual trait. That's not, that's not a mask. Um, or if it is, it's a very good one, touche. Um, mm-hmm. so one of the things I'll say is how did you build that up? If you lost, if you were dancing six days a week and then all of a sudden you're in a wheelchair and obviously dancing isn't part of that. If you're without being conceited, if the, if your, your appearance is, is, is important to you. And then all of a sudden you don't have much hair. Um, how do you rebuild confidence from that? Particularly as if you're in hospital a lot, you're not seeing your friends a lot. And at that age, seeing them in school is what, is what gets the relationships together. So how did you manage to rebuild that from 15-year-old Holly to the 19-year-old who gets on a plane? Yeah, it certainly took a lot of time. Um, even as I started to get better because I still looked so different and at that age, you know, like 15, 16, people are very awkward to talk about cancer. You know, your school friends don't know what to say to you. You don't know what to say to them. So I was very socially isolated for a very long time, which was so difficult. I had so many struggles with that. Um, And I think, to be honest, it was when I went to university and I was like, I'm going, I'm having a fresh start. No one knows the old Holly. No one knows that I used to have lovely long hair. I used to be a dancer. The people that I'm going to meet are just going to meet this Holly, the one with a short curly bob and the one who maybe is a bit of an introvert or is a bit, I don't know, socially awkward at times. Um, But they're not going to know everything that I've been through. They're not going to know the old me. And so, yeah, I got to uni and I realized that people actually accepted me for me. People liked this new Holly that I thought was, you know, never going to be as good as the old version. Um, And yeah, from there, the confidence just came and I could be whoever I wanted to be. I could go out, I could party, I could meet people. And I didn't have to be scared anymore of people thinking, oh, who's that girl? She looks a bit strange or whatever it might be. Those insecurities just went. I'd love to, I'd love to know to what extent was your appearance actually quote unquote strange to what, like from a, an ordinary objective standpoint and to what extent was it a difference between you knowing what you, what it used to look like and what Holly in, in, quote, in quotation marks should be versus what we are right now. I mean, mm-hmm. were there any other, I, I don't know much about leukemia. Were there other, any other market f- physical differences other than hair loss yes so my appearance did change a lot so it was hair loss um I was on steroids which basically make you have they call it like a moon face so your cheeks get really chubby and puffy um and your whole body weight redistributes itself so I would have like a really kind of chubby, um, like bloated face. And then my legs would be super, super, super skinny and I'd have a really bloated stomach. So my body changed. Um, I had really bad acne, like terrible skin. I've always had quite good skin. Um, and then suddenly I had just spots all over me. Um, because of the weight changes, I got really bad stretch marks, which I felt very conscious about. Um, so yeah, a lot of physical changes. Um, nice. which for anyone I think is Absolutely. very difficult. Of course. Um, well, that answers that question. 
Um, but and then obviously, I, I don't like using the word the word normal. But then later on, that would have receded to what Holly in quotation marks would have would have expected herself to look like. Then as college comes around, because uh, from sixteen, when did treatment end? Can I ask? So I was diagnosed at fifteen. Um, I had treatment for just under three years. Um, so eighteen, and then yeah, went went off to uni. Um, went off to uni, I guess. Yeah, that seems to be like one of yeah. your additional. Oh, I don't want to use the word, but like rebirth moments. You know, that seems to be one of those formative experiences that we were that we're looking for. Oh yes, it was. University was was incredible because I'd been obviously I'd been like babied by my mum and dad while I was poorly. Um, I'm the baby anyway. I have two older sisters. So I've always been, you know, the the youngest one, the one that needs looking after. And me and my parents got super close when I was poorly. You know, they were my best friends. I didn't want to see anyone from school. I didn't want them to see me looking like how I did. So we became super close. And then suddenly I was going to uni and I was doing what, you know, what 18 year olds should be doing. Um, I was living my life to the full. So yeah, it was definitely a rebirth moment. Well, I like that, that term. There's one, there's a, there's a question that I have then now. So you went to college to study English. However, at the very beginning of this, you talked about being driven. You talked about making money. You talked about, you know, it's not that people who study English aren't like that, but typically those who, who look for money go into the world of business finance law what brought you to english if that was like one of the values yeah so this is i guess a a bit of a backstory so when i originally went to university so college i think you you call it um where you are but when i originally went i actually did a year of children's nursing believe it or not so i started out doing a yeah doing a children's nursing course um and i think it was just because of what i'd been through and experienced i just thought you know i i want to help people i want to be able to help and relate to, to other children that have been in my position um And another reason, I'll be completely honest, I've always loved English, but when I was at college, because I had such little self-confidence, I was like, oh, I'd never be able to get the grades to go to a really good uni and do English. Um, And with nursing, the requirements are slightly lower for grades. Ended up doing really, really well in my A-levels. Still wanted to go and do nursing, but always thought, oh, I could have gone and done English. Um, And then after about a year, I just realized, you know, I I don't think I want to be a nurse. I think I want to see what else I could potentially do with my life. I don't want to be confined to this world of, you know, hospitals and always being reminded of my illness. Um, And so I'd always really enjoyed English um, and my sisters had done it at university and with English, they had um, like some drama modules that you could do as well. So I was like, I definitely want to do those. Um, So yeah, made the the transition into English and it was probably one of the best moves and decisions I've made. Um, It was very impulsive. They told me that the deadline to swap courses um, had already been up. So I, uh, quite literally turned up to the head of English, turned up to his office and just said, hi, you don't know me. Can I have 10 minutes of your time just to speak to you? I really want to get on your course. 
Um, and he he let me in. Pitch number one of a long <laughs> career. Of p- Actually, no, that's not true. Hang on. Had you started the uh, the 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 waitressing job, the the selling shots to drunk people job? Uh, at, at that point, no, that came later. Pitch number one. This is that's we just found your origin story. Um, when people make a movie of your life, they'll they'll thank me for that revelation. Um, so I'm going to fast forward a little bit, and I'm going to do a little bit of this um, for you because there's a little bit more that I want to get into somewhere else. After college, then you go into the world of recruitment um there's so like there's venetrix i'm assuming that had something to do with 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 sophie but you decided not to do that and you went some you went to a different uh, company then uh you went into bdr uh into the bdr role in um in g2 um and still there today loving it so you went into to the most competitive hard driven industry that you can get into without a degree in such a thing like there's finance there's law there's all that stuff but you need the degree to get into it recruitment not so much that is a hard gig that's a lot of cold calls that's a lot of late nights it is well known as a hard like one of the hardest gigs um, particularly in the sales world so that obviously comes from your sense of drive and i'm not gonna really ask why you why recruitment I'm going to ask where the sense of drive comes from. And if I'm wrong with that assumption, with making the leap from recruitment equals drive, let me know. But I don't think I am. Yeah, I think I've been really, really lucky in that I've always had very successful, ambitious ambitious people around me. Um, my sister, for example, Sophie, she is the business development director at Venetrix. Um, and we're very similar. We're really, really close. And she's always been a role model to me. You know, even when we were growing up, I wanted to wear what she was wearing and do what she was doing. So she definitely had a a big influence on me. Um, She's always been my kind of number one fan. She's always like, no, come on, you'll do amazing. Get into recruitment, get into sales, you know, whatever it will be. She's kind of always been there supporting me. Um, And she's so successful. And watching her do her thing and think, okay, I could do this. Um, And, you know, I can learn from the mistakes that she's made along the way um, was definitely a factor. Um, And then my mum and dad as well. My mum, she's um, a scientist. She's done incredible things. Um, And she grew up on a council estate in Liverpool. Um, She was, you know, the first person in her family to ever move out of Liverpool. She moved to uh, Papua New Guinea when she was 19 with my dad. Um, So, What is it with 19-year-old Alans just getting out of weird (laughs) countries? I know, it must be a a gene thing. We just all want to escape and go and be free. But (laughs) but yeah, so yeah, I'm lucky to have very kind of inspirational figures around me. And out of pure interest, what does your dad do? I mean, your mum's a scientist. He's the only man in the house. If you've three sisters and the mom, three of which I, and I'm assuming the other, your, your other sister is quite impressive too. Um, what does he get up to? So my dad is a children's doctor. Um, so my mum and dad basically met because they both do research into tropical medicine. Um, so that's kind of how, how they met, how the romance begun. Um, and that's why they've moved around a lot. So my dad would do, the seeing of the patients and then my mum would be the one in the lab 
analyzing all the test results and things like that. In tandem? Like yes. actually working together? Yeah. Saving the world. It makes for a nice love story. Saving the world one child at a time per tropical diseases. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. It's, so, it's funny because me and my sisters, none of us are sciencey at all. We're all really artsy and, you know, creative. But yeah, they're, they're the science heads. So you mentioned earlier about impressive and you, you've kind of grown up around impressive people. And that kind of stands out. That, that makes an awful lot of sense. Your mom, a very impressive scientist. Your dad, very, I mean, that explains the, the, the reason to try and, you know, go and see the world. Um, but each of which have had this kind of vocational element to them. Um, then you've got highly ambitious and driven sister in the house i i know very little about your other sister but i'm assuming she's i mean in a house like that i'm i have absolutely no doubt that she's as driven and ambitious as the rest of you yeah so she my elder sister stephanie she's so 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 lovely she's like the nicest person you'd ever meet she is an absolute genius she knows everything about everything she went to Oxford Uni um, and she now lives a lovely life in New Zealand with her fiance, um, where she writes articles and interviews professors. And yeah, it's funny. She's she's not money motivated at all. Me and Sophie are like, we want money. We want nice things. Tell me more about <laughs> that. Tell me more about that, because that is that is what another element I wanted to talk to you about. The money motivation. I'm not going to ask you where it comes from, but uh, you're very open and brazen about it which is perfectly fine, not something we see typically. So yeah, tell me more about the money motivation. Yeah, I am very money motivated. I'll be the first person to say it. I think I would say like 99.9% of people that work in sales are money motivated. Um, I love the feeling of getting another meeting because I know that that's more commission for me. Um, I like to have nice things in life that I know I've earned for myself. So for example, I recently had a really, a really good uh, month in my job and I got the gig with SIA um, as a co-host with Daniel Disney doing his social selling course. Um, And so I bought myself a pair of Gucci platform trainers and I felt amazing going into Gucci and knowing that I could afford to buy myself these trainers that I've wanted for ages um, and it was all down to me. It was my hard work that was to thank for that. Typically, when people are money motivated, congrats, by the way, Gucci platform trainers. <laughs> I oh. <laughs> amazing. <laughs> um, one of the something that I want to ask you about. Typically, when people are money motivated, they it's one of two things: either they like things that money can buy, or they like the financial security of having money i'm the second one so i like the financial security i don't necessarily need um, you know the most luxurious of things i do need to know there's money in the bank however some other people prefer the luxurious surroundings to a high number in a bank account which one are you Mm -hmm. um i would say i'm a bit of both i like i say i definitely like to have nice things i like knowing that i'm safe and that there's money in the bank. 
I would also say for me, I get such a buzz when I see that I've, you know, beat my paycheck from the previous month because of the deals I've, you know, the, the meetings I've booked. It just makes me feel like I've really accomplished something. Um, and it makes me feel really good about myself. I'm not even necessarily looking at the actual value, but it's like, yes, I've I've smashed it. I've done really well. You know, I've exceeded my target and this is my reward. That's a great way of putting it. Um, we've danced around it a lot. We've gotten into different, lots of different aspects of who you are and what your life is, has been like, and what your values are and things like that. What's your why? Why do you do what you do? And I'd, I'd love for, like, I know that you could, we can say things like, I do what I do because life is short and I like to make money and I'm very spontaneous and bubbly. But is, is there something whereby if, if I'm asking you, why do you do what you do? Because you're not going to be a BDR at G2 forever. Um, you're, you're not going to, I mean, I get the sense that once you start training in sales, you never really stop. But the, the Sales Impact Academy isn't necessarily the end stopping point particularly for someone at just at the beginning of their career like yourself. But there's, there's, a, there's a thread that has been running through all of this from, from not just from the career aspect, but the competitiveness of dancing six nights, six nights a week through to the inherent self-belief of knowing that leukemia is not going to be the thing that gets you, to getting through that, to, getting, to putting yourself into a situation whereby you you get into college and you decide that you're going to do what you're going to do. There's, there's the recruitment, which requires a lot of self, self-belief and self-drive through to BDR, which is the hardest job in sales, to selling sales training, which if there's even a hint of imposter syndrome, you get, you get completely removed from. So what's your why in all of this? What's that thread? Um, I think I, it may sound cliche, I want to be the best version of myself. I want to consistently push myself and see how far I can go, see how you know, well I can do what I can do, whether that's in my personal life or my work life. Um, and I want to be able to look back when I'm 80 and feel like, you know what? I had a very good run. I had a really good life. I made the most of everything. I didn't do anything um, half-heartedly. And I've left a legacy behind, you know, maybe by then I'll, I'll have my own company or I'll have been able to give, you know, my future mini-me's an incredible life. Um, yeah, that's, that's what it's all about. Um, <laughs> last, last question I have. Is there something that you really wish people knew about you? Something that, you know, they might not be as well known, but something that you wish people knew about you? Good question. I would say I'm very, very open about my illness and my past. Um, people don't know, know that about me. It's not something that I will just kind of freely post on the internet. It's not kind of really that relevant, so to speak, for my area of work. 
But I think it is important for people to know that, yes, I come across as, as you mentioned, very kind of confident, self-assured, but I have been in a place that was very uncomfortable and very dark. And the reason I'm talking about it so openly today is because I want people that are maybe struggling, you know, whatever it may be, whether it's an illness, whether it's financially, mentally, whatever it can be, to know that you can kind of come out of that dark place and you can turn it around and you can turn those negative experiences into positive energy that gets you motivated and gets you to think, I never want to be in that place again. Um, And I want people to know that because I want them to see that I wasn't just kind of handed this this life and this role and, you know, and the, the opportunities that have come my way. I've had to get out of a rut um, to be able to, to be where I am. And you can do that. That thing that you just said, I wasn't handed this life. That I think is the, the, the theme, the value, the, the why of this entire conversation that we've had. My interpretation mm-hmm. of, of your why, uh, and please do correct me on this, is proving yourself to yourself. Why you do what you do is more mm-hmm. so proving yourself to yourself. Um, this whole thing of you were heavily driven. I'm going to go all the way back to the, to the dancing side of things. Heavily driven at the at the the dancing and performing in that, and then all of a sudden that was taken away by an illness. And you're still and that the thread there of proving yourself to yourself is I can prove to myself that I can get out of this illness, and then I did. I can prove to myself that I can be sociable again because I you missed that in your in your early mid-teens um and you did that again i can prove to myself that i can be just as adventurous as my mom i can prove to myself that i could be just as successful as my sisters i can um be just as good as the other salespeople, but not for them none of nothing that you've said today has been for other people um it's been for you um you mentioned mini me's. I think that's the only other side of it that you've come across. And that's later on down the line. Um, so there's a whole, there's a whole rebirth side of things. There's impulsive, there's bubbly, the spontaneous, but it just seems to come from an element of an inherent self-belief that I can do whatever I want to do. And on the back of that, constantly and consistently proving that to yourself in whatever sense that exists Mm -hmm. where am I going am I uh am I far off the mark with that I think you've hit the nail on the head I can't believe it (laughs) this feels like this feels like some sort of incredible therapy session I forgot we're even recording a podcast yeah I think you're you're 100 right I'm in competition with myself constantly well so far it's been successful um just mm-hmm. as long as that inherent pressure turns into passion and not stress then it'll all be good um holly before before I let you go what would you like the audience to know more about where would you like to go and find you um is there anything in particular you'd like to to say um what do you think 
yeah, I think if you're listening to this, um, hello, I would love for you to come and tell me what you thought of this podcast. Um, if you have any questions, then please feel free to ask. So if they want to head over to my LinkedIn, um, so I'm just Holly Allen on LinkedIn, then connect with me, uh, leave a message to say that you've listened to the podcast and we can chat. Great, great. Um, well, look, thank you very much for, for joining. For anybody um, for anybody listening, one thing that you must do is follow her on LinkedIn. Um, that is a must. Uh, you'll get an awful lot more out of it than you think. Um, even if you're not in sales, uh, like there's a reason I asked Holly on this podcast. Um, <laughs> there's also, she, like I said at the very beginning of this, she is running the Sales Impact Academy course with Daniel Disney. Um, go mm-hmm. and check that out, particularly if you are in the world of sales. Um, uh, but Holly, thank you very much for, uh, for joining me and uh, looking forward to the next time we chat. Thanks, Brian. And there we have it, the life of Holly Allen. Today's episode was quite an interesting one for me um, from a sense of really getting deep into the life and the motivations of of someone. Um, Part of the reason I started this podcast was to have real conversations with people that you don't typically get to have real conversations with. Anytime I had met Holly before today, recording today's episode, all of the conversations had revolved around sales and selling tactics and the, the sales profession. And it is very interesting to me just how much we don't see when we only focus on one element of, of people's lives. The Holly's journey of overcoming leukemia and kind of rebuilding herself into someone that she herself liked and and could recognize, I think it's something that we can all relate to. At different points in each of our lives, I feel most people have had to reinvent themselves slightly, maybe not to such an extreme extent, but I think that element of Holly's journey is is quite universal. There's a lot of things that that we looked at today that I felt are particularly important for understanding why successful people do what they do. Um, Holly wants to be the best and she wants to prove to herself that she is as good as she thinks she is. Um, another element of it was that she wasn't handed this this life and that's, that's quite important to her. Um, she's had some advantages. She could have gone into the medical field with her, with her parents and decided not to because she wanted to build it on her own. Um, a sales career cannot be handed to someone. Maybe a sales job, but not a career. Um, and Holly has chosen a career that is very much centered around her own capabilities. Um, particularly when, when she didn't need, didn't need to, it really made me think about my own um, and, and my own journey. And a recurring theme has been the optimism. But that is something that we will deal with in the last episode of this series. Overall, Holly has surrounded herself with very ambitious people and that has had a serious effect on her. That is one of the key elements that I'm pulling out of today. I'd love to know what you pull out of it. What did you think? Is there any element that that we didn't talk about today that you'd love to talk about? Or any element that was less insightful than the others? Please do let me know. 
Next week's episode, we interview Joe, um, Joachim van Erps. He has built out the sales function for startups and he's a he's a serial entrepreneur as well. Uh, based out in... When we first met, he was based out in Munich. Now he's currently based in, in Amsterdam. And Joe will have a very interesting op- uh, opinion on the interconnectivity of, of Europe. And we'll also talk about why somebody decides to build a sales function and to build the revenue generating elements of of businesses and what brings somebody on that type of journey. Please do let me know what you thought of today's episode. Let me know what you'd like to see in the future. You can find me on any social media and I'll chat with you again soon.